Hey everyone and welcome to episode number 11 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us once again wherever you are listening today. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, massive weekend of Off The Block specials as we bring to you not one but two episodes today from some of Australian swimming's biggest legends, starting with a woman finished the 2012 London Olympics with a five-medal haul feat only ever matched by Ian Thorpe and Shane Gould. And of course, I'm talking about the great Alicia Coots. It's really excited to have Alicia on the show. Um, I've been a big fan of her career since she started on the international stage. We discussed her early years in the pool up in Brisbane, her amazing international swimming career, as well as life away from the pool and what she's been up to these days down in the nation's capital in the ACT. So set aside some quiet time, find a comfy spot on the lounge and grab an Anzac biscuit because episode number 11 with Alicia Coots starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. From the signature of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's shot. He can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets is bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. Thought to put. Thought to the hall. Thought to use it. Joining us today on the show is a three-time Olympian, performing to an international standard for almost a decade. Today's guest represented Australia at World Champs, Kong Games, and Pampax, racking up a super impressive 28 medals altogether. 2012, she was named Australian Institute of Sport Athlete of the Year, and in 2016, she announced her retirement from swimming, but not before finaling at her third Olympics in Rio, ending her remarkable career at the top of her game where she started it. It's a very big warm welcome to Off the Block Swing podcast to Alicia Kurtz. How are you, mate? Hey, how are you going? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Now, I always like to start off telling people where we are in the world. So I'm coming to you today from our very self-isolated quarantine studios in Sydney. Uh, where have we caught you today? Um, yes, also self-quarantining in Canberra. Oh, nice. How is Canberra down there today? I know you went to the farmer's market this morning. How was it? Yeah, it was um, pretty busy and had... Uh, you know, had to line up for the hand-washing station before we went in, so <laughs> took a little while to get in and get out with my few my few groceries, but um, all for the greater good. <laughs> That's right. Now, obviously, as we just touched on, a lot going on in the world right now with the coronavirus and constant updates on the daily, it seems, uh, with more and more restrictions. Um, how have you and your family been affected? Um, well, I guess I'm, I feel like I'm actually quite lucky at the moment because I'm on maternity leave with my youngest, Leo. Yeah. Um, so I haven't been out at work and, um, I guess been exposed so much to it. Um, so I've, yeah, just basically been home with the boys and just trying to, you know, keep them safe and, mm. and isolated, but we do still have to go out, um, every day cause my husband's a teacher and, um, because even though they've gone, um, pupil free they've still had to attend work every day so um and earlier this year our car 
was written off in that big hailstorm that they had here in Canberra. So yep. we've just got the one car at the moment. So <laughs> Makes life a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's nice to have the car just in case, you know, an emergency happens. Mm. So, you know, we get out and we drive him out to work and then pick him up again in the afternoon. So... How has it been stuck in the house with the little ones? I know at the moment I'm off work as well, so I'm getting a lot of cardio work with with my daughter, Charlie, especially when she wants to go up and down the stairs. And she knows she's not supposed to. I say, don't go up, and she looks at me, smiles, and then as quick as she can, she goes up. (laughs) How have you been going stuck in the house with the boys? Yes, no, it is exactly the same as that. (laughs) Some days I'm like, oh, my God, give me strength. But, um, yes, he has very much his own cheeky personality and Noah does what Noah wants to do. So (laughs) Um, it's been a bit hard, I think, since they closed all the parks and stuff because normally we would just go out and, you know, have a little run around at the park. But um, we do have a decent-sized backyard, which is good. So I'm able to just let him outside to run around and and burn off some energy because he has a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, they do. Now, mate, the Olympics have been pushed back to 2021, which was announced uh, this week. Uh, which I think yeah. is a good thing and it had to happen. But take yeah. us into the mindset of an athlete right now. Um, you know, been so much training going to trying to make the Olympic team this year and, and now you know it's been put back a year. How do you think you would have gone being in this situation? It was funny because we were actually driving past the AIS this morning and I actually said to my husband, I'm so glad that I'm not an athlete anymore mm. because it would break my heart. Um <laughs> to be in that position and I know it's the best obviously the best option and um you know it's what needs to be done for the safety of not only the athletes but obviously the spectators and officials and everyone that's going to be there um but you know I can I can I really feel for them um you know you you literally train for you know you have a four-year cycle you train four years um for this you know pinnacle event especially you know being a swimmer Mm. um yeah, it's the biggest event on the swimming program. So, uh, yeah, I really feel for them um, because, you know, a lot of people would have prepared and been, you know, making sure they're in the, in the shape of their life for this event. So I think, um, you know, to get it pushed back by a year, some people, it you know, it could be detrimental, but yeah. for others it could be a blessing. So yeah. um, I think it sort of depends how you take the mindset of it all um i actually messaged my friend ellie cole the other day because you know we're good friends and um you know paralympic swimmer and i asked her how she was feeling about it and she's actually happy because three weeks ago fell over and broke her hip so for her it's Mm. a silver lining you know so she's got that opportunity to make the paralympics next year now with recovery um from breaking her hip but um yeah, so for some people it's a silver lining, for others it's heartbreaking. Mm. And, you know, I said to my husband this morning, like, all the pools are closed, all the training venues are closed. I mean, even the AIS, you know, when I trained at the AIS, there was only a handful of swimmers in the pool. So you're like, you know, how it's just, yeah, it's just crazy really. Yeah, and I, I also think too, and a, and a lot of athletes out there coming up to this Olympics wouldn't have probably told anyone, but some of the older athletes would have started thinking, you know, this is my last go around and sort of had yeah. themselves primed up for it. Now all of a sudden they've got to start to work out, well, do they have it in them to go another year? You know, exactly. Because they were coming to, you know, to the end. Exactly, because I know 
um, I know in the lead up to Rio, I knew that that was my last competition. And, you know, I had that in my mind and I knew that that was it. So, yeah, I think for a lot of people that were planning on retiring, it would be really difficult for them, especially, you know, questioning whether they have the drive to go another year. Mm. Um, Because in their mind, I guess they were set like, this is it, I'm done after this. You know, I go on to be a normal person. I have kids. I, you know, I have other plans. So I think, yeah, that that's definitely um, going to be really tough for those that were considering retiring after Tokyo. Mm. All right, now that's enough Corona talk for one day. Um, let's start <laughs> to let's move on to your impressive career, mate. And I, I want to take you back to Brisbane, where little Alicia started uh, training in her pool. What are your earliest memories of swimming as a youngster? Um, well, actually, my earliest memory of swimming um, was actually the day my dad died. Um, crazy enough, it was my first ever swimming carnival. Yeah. Um, I was seven, and I it's literally burned into my memory. Um, I can remember every detail. So um, the that day we were getting ready to go down the Gold Coast. We have a timeshare unit down there. Um, we were going to go down the, the Gold Coast after I went to my swimming carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, 20, 20 past 10 in the morning, my dad passed away um, from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at home. Um, I remember thinking to myself that it wasn't real. Um, my mum told me that I wouldn't go to my swimming carnival that day, obviously, because my dad had passed away. Mm. And I turned and said to her that I wanted to go and I wanted to swim for my dad. Um, So my grandparents took me and I actually won all my races. Um, I said to my grandpa, do you think my dad was watching me? And he said, my oath he was. Mm. Um, And that is my first real memory that I can physically remember of my early career of swimming. When did you start taking swimming a little more seriously? Um, I think, oh, I mean, I was always a, like a good younger swimmer, mm. um, but I was never winning. I was always getting fourth. I was literally like just missing out on a medal. And I think it's sort of really, maybe when I was about 14 or 15, that um, I guess I really, really started to take it. I mean, I always took it seriously, but I yeah. really sort of thought, you know, that I really was going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my dad said to me when I was six that he thought I'd go to the Olympics. So, you know, he always obviously saw something in me that he thought that I would one day. Um, but I think the real time that I sort of really felt like I was good enough um, was once I moved to the AIS. Um, so I moved to the AIS when I was 18, um, and I moved down there after having a bout of glandular fever and I was out of the pool for six months, put on a bit of weight, wasn't able to swim. I was sleeping 18 hours a day in that six month period because I was just exhausted. Um, so my coach actually lost the lease to the pool that we had, um, in Brisbane and we were training in a little 25 meter school pool um so he sort of said to me you know i think 
you should go down to the AIS and you should trial down there for a month. You know, Shannon Rollison wants you to come and, and train with him and see how you go. So I actually moved down. I came down for a one-month trial when I was 18 and and um, I got down here and I think Shannon looked at me and sort of went, ooh, you need a bit more work than I can give you. I'm going to put you in with Doug Frost. Yeah. So um, I started training with Doug and I think – you know, after a few months training with him, uh, he left the program and I moved on to John Fowley and sort of once I started training with John and started to really improve and, and um, you know, worked on my IM. And I think that's the real first time that I thought and John thought that I could make the Olympics for 2008, mm-hmm. but nobody else did. Yeah. Nobody else thought that I could do it. Um and then when I did, I shocked the hell out of everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there was times when I was younger where I thought, you know, I always wanted to go to the Olympics and I thought but that was a real sort of light bulb moment when I moved to the AIS that I really thought that I would. Yeah. Now, mate, you're known for being obviously super fast for your medley, your butterfly, even your freestyle, but were they always your main events when you were younger? So like a little 10, 11, 12-year-old Alicia, were you, would you shock me by saying you were winning medals for 100 breaststroke? Um, I actually was always a bit of a freestyler when I was younger. So when I was doing school states and stuff, I was always in the relay team for the freestyle, and but I was actually a bit of a backstroker surprisingly yeah um and yeah sort of when I was around 13 14 I was a pretty good backstroker and and freestyler but I think um then I switched to 200 butterfly I don't know why a bit crazy (laughs) crazy I know Um, hated absolutely hated 200 butterfly like oh yuck um (laughs) Uh, and it was funny because when I trained with Doug, once I moved to the AIS, he wanted me to do 200 Butterfly and 200 IM. Mm. Um, and I started doing really well in the 200 Butterfly. And, but yeah, I just kind of chopped and changed a bit. I was always, you know, training for every stroke because obviously when you're younger, you do a bit of everything. Yeah. Except lots of people don't do breaststroke because I don't know, they don't like it. <laughs> My knees don't turn that way or, you know, there's yeah, always yeah, some yeah. kind of excuse. But, My feet can't turn um, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was a bit of a freestyler and backstroker. Now, I'm going to jump into a few bad habits uh, that a lot of younger swimmers have as they're coming through junior programs. And I just yeah. want you to tell me whether you did any of these growing up. So the yeah. first one is feet on the bottom of the pool during laps. No, no way. No, no way. Look at you go already. Um, uh, conveniently miscounting laps and finishing sooner than you should. Never. Never. Two ticks already. Um, pulling on the lane rope in backstroke. No. <laughs> Fixing your goggles at the end of each lap. No. Only if I was on a time cycle and I had time to and, do it. Yeah. But, yeah, no, no way. Very disciplined. All right. See if we can go clean sweep. Last one. Doing arms in a kick set. No, never. Wow. Clean sweep. You know, I did one with um, an interview with Brett Hawke the other day and he nearly went a clean sweep the other way. 
So, <laughs> so you, you've done, Sprinters. Yeah, Sprinters. You, you've done a good job. <laughs> Mate, was it hard transitioning from a junior athlete to an elite athlete? Um, were there any areas of your training that you needed to improve on throughout that transition? Um, I think, um, I guess when I started a bit younger, I was not doing anywhere near as many sessions as a lot of the girls that I was racing against who had early success. Mm. Um, and I think the biggest transition um, from being a junior to an elite swimmer was the amount of sessions I was doing. So I think um, before I moved to Canberra, the most I think I was doing was eight or nine. When I moved to Canberra, I started doing 10 sessions. Yeah. Um, and then I also would do three gym sessions, um, you know, incorporated running into my program with John. I incorporated 10 minutes of skipping every afternoon continuously before I got in the pool. I incorporated um, 300 abs before every session, stretching before every session. So, you know, I it was just basically went from being, um, you know, a junior sort of, it was just about swimming to being what else can I do to improve mm myself as an athlete um so you know i incorporated a lot of other things into myself as an athlete um once i became you know a serious devoted yeah um <laughs> i guess al- almost as if you were a swimmer before and you transitioned into an athlete yes exactly mate 2008 you make your first olympic team for beijing what was that experience yep. like um, so it was actually, uh, I was, I myself, I think like I knew it was possible, but I didn't think it was going to happen that, that year. Yeah. Um, so I had actually in 2007 had major abdominal surgery. Um, oh, only like, I think it was June or July of 2007. So, you know, nine months out from Olympic trials had major abdominal surgery, couldn't swim for eight weeks. Um, when I got back into the pool, I, um, you know, I couldn't do a lot. Uh, so I actually had what they call an intersusception of the bowel, where your bowel starts to go inside itself like a telescope and die. Okay. So I actually had 15 centimetres of my bowel removed and also a tumour, which turned out to be benign, thank goodness. But um, so I think a lot of people sort of never expected me to to. I guess, get back and get fit and even be um, on the radar to go to um, Beijing. Mm. Um, and I think there was only a few people that really believed in me and that was Shannon Rollison and John Fowley. Yeah. I think everyone else just sort of thought that, you know, I was just there to swim nationals and get some more experience. Um and, yeah, I, I think I really shocked myself, to be honest. Um, I got second and made qualifying and was selected on the team. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, it was honestly the – I was in the shock of my life, to be honest. Yeah. I was I was so excited. You know, this is what I had wanted to do. I wanted to make the Olympics for my dad since I was six years old. Mm. Um and I did it. Um, yeah, so, you know, the complete shock of from everyone. And nobody, yeah, nobody expected it. So, 
yeah, I was just absolutely ecstatic. And take us to the trip itself, though. I mean, how was the trip for you to Beijing and just being around the team? We'll get to the swim in a minute, but did you learn anything about yourself on that trip that you didn't already know? Um, I think one thing that I really learned when I was growing up, I used to make myself so nervous before I raced, I would make myself physically sick um, because I was too busy worrying about what everyone would think of me. You know, would I disappoint my coach? Would I disappoint my mom? Would I disappoint my family and my friends if I didn't swim well? Mm. And when I went to Beijing, I was so determined to be that person that made the final and, you know, just felt proud. Um, and I remember Shannon Rollison sitting us all down, all the AIS team that was going to Beijing before we went and he said, you know, there's a small percentage of people that will actually improve on their selection trials time um, at the Olympics. So, you know, a lot of people make the team, you know, they, they do the swim of their life, they make the team and then they get to the event and they don't improve on that. Mm. And I said, you know, I said to myself that day when he sat us all down, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be the person that makes a final. I'm going to improve and I'm going to, you know, be proud of what I do. Mm. So I think from that moment I really, in my mind, had set myself up to um, – that, that's what I was going to do, you know, I was really determined to do that. And so I remember going there and I just I just had this confidence that I'd never had before. Um, and even my psychologist said to me, you know, she, she just saw just a, a massive change in me as a person and as an athlete. And she was just so in, like, she was just so in shock of, you know, that transition that I had made mentally um to be able to to achieve what i did in beijing um so you know i swam and i don't know if you remember well, you probably do but heats and everything were back to front so finals were swam in the morning because they wanted it prime time for yeah, america yeah. so everything was flipped upside down it was not how we would normally compete it was all very different it was a you know different environment it was it's a big big change for everybody mm. um and i remember i went into the heats and i swam fantastic i was the fastest qualifier for the semi-final so i was in lane four of heat two for yeah. the semi-final yeah, yeah um i did a pb and i was like awesome like you know didn't get a big head or anything i was just like okay cool you know i'm in the semi-final um and then got into the final did another pb and I came fifth. And I was so happy that I had made the final, that I came fifth and I did a PB. I'm mm. like, what else? You know, how can you be disappointed with any of that? My coach wasn't there. He didn't make the team. He didn't get selected on the team that year. But I remember um, coming home and, you know, watching my race back for the first time because he had it on video mm. and I watched it. And I watched the race and he looked at me and he said, now, how do you feel after you've watched that? 
And I said, disappointed. And he said to me, why do you feel disappointed? And I said, because I was so close to third. Like, mm. I was going to say, I rewatched that race. Nothing. I rewatched that race last night myself just on YouTube. And, um, you know, other than obviously Steph um, um, and who, I can't, who came second? I can't remember now. Do you Kirstie remember? Coventry. Yeah, 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 that was her. Um, other than those two girls who were, you know, just ahead of you, the three behind, I mean, it was it was neck and neck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, I was like, oh, you know, I was so happy with how I went, but then I was, I was, um, disappointed <laughs> when I watched it back. Yeah. And I think, like, then you sort of look at that and you go, oh, well, you know, maybe I am better than what I think I am. Maybe mm. I can actually win a medal at the Olympics. Mate, big names on that team. Did anyone take you under under their wing and look after you? Um, well, I didn't. Uh, you know, I had some really good friends on that team in 2008 um, that were from the AIS um, that I spent, you know, a lot of time with. You know, we had Tani White, Felicity Galvez, um, Sally Foster, now Sally Hunter, um, and, you know, a lot of the AIS girls, um, which was, uh, it was really good just to have, you know, people that I was comfortable with and, you know, I made lots of new friends. Um, and, you know, I actually, when I was younger, I used to train with Ash Callis. Yep. Um, and it was so good to be on the team with him. Um Yeah, so he's always been like a bit of a big brother to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really nice to have him on the team. And, and you know, Hacky was always, uh, you know, really positive person to be around um, being on the team. You know, Lisa Jones, those guys, Libby. Yeah, so yeah, it a lot was of. a star studded field. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was always. You know, those really great influential people that were there, there especially for the younger ones um, and, you know, those that you were on their first team and feeling a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. This was the start of a, a massive international swimming career for you, as I mentioned in the intro, and so many accomplishments and, and medals were to come your way. You had a massive year in 2010 at the Com Games in Delhi, 2011 World Champs in Shanghai. Now, when I mention those two meets to you, what memory, I guess, stands out the most to you? We'll, we'll start with Com Games in Delhi. Um, yeah, so Com Games in Delhi, I never, ever thought I would walk away with five gold medals. Um, I mean, it's a different, very much a different environment to that of an Olympics. Mm. Um, it's definitely not as daunting, I think. Um, I mean, you know, you've got the whole sort of setup, like the village and everything, which makes it sort of more, I don't know, um, gives it that kind of Olympic feel. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, never expected to come away with five gold medals there. Uh, that was <laughs> that was a shock. It was just kind of like, 
uh, after I won the first one, I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. My coach is like, yeah, awesome, like, cool. And then, you know, I won the second one, and was like, oh, wow, like two, please. <laughs> yeah. And then it just kind of kept snowballing from there, and I was just like, wow, like, you know, totally unexpected. And I actually remember, I won't say the coach's name, <laughs> but in the lead-up to Commonwealth Games, um, an old-school coach came to our pool and watched us swim Mm -hmm. and you know I never had any dealings with this coach but you know he's well known and a lot of people would know his name and came to the pool and watched us swim and sort of said to my coach he looked at me and he said she won't win anything she won't do any well she won't do any good really from one session he saw that yep yep from one (laughs) session just watching me for a little bit in the pool and he was like yeah no she won't she won't do any good and I remember my coach telling me, and I just was like, just had this sort of fire. And I'm like, I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'll show you what I can do. So, Do, do you I think th- he really said it? Did you hear him say it? Maybe it was just a, a coaching masterstroke. No, oh, no, I believe my coach <laughs> told me these things. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just it's funny how, you know, people have these yeah. ideas in their head. And, yeah, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, Oh, well, I'm just going to show him. Mm-hmm. And I did. So. <laughs> no, you definitely. I mean, you walked away with, with the medals, as you said, but more importantly, a bigger question from Delhi. How was your stomach walking away from there? Were you okay? <laughs> Were you healthy? Um, I'll be completely honest with you. I lived on Imodium the whole time <laughs> I was there. Um, I only ate pizza and pasta <laughs> because... No fresh fruit or veggies. We didn't want anything washed in their water. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I was literally sick the whole time I was there. Um, mm. And I think a lot of athletes were. But yeah. as I said, you know, I lived on a modium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was everyone's best friend. Um, you know, the, the facilities and stuff were interesting. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Um, there is actually this one story that I tell people when they ask me about my experiences in Delhi. And um, I remember getting to the apartment building that we were staying in in the village. And, you know, we all rocked up to the front of it. And there was literally like this massive death pit hole. It would have been, uh, I don't know, probably like 25 metres wide and just this big circle that was unfinished um, that just fell like two stories down to like oblivion. Mm. And there was just, there was just some tape around it. (laughs) And, um, and then, you know, you got into your apartment and you went up and like the inside was okay. And then you'd go out on the balcony and there was (laughs) no railings on any balconies. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, it was an interesting, it was an interesting, um, place to visit um and also uh you know getting on the buses to head to the pool and i remember (laughs) sitting on the sitting on the bus with my teammate cam prosser and we were both sitting there and we took a selfie together and behind us is standing a a guard with a machine gun (laughs) and that was just the reality of of the event so it was uh it was very interesting hey what about world champs in shanghai what are your what are your memories of of Shanghai? Ah, uh, I think my memories of Shanghai are people asking me 
why the media asking me basically why did I choose to do my two main events when they were like two events apart (laughs) um and I just remember thinking like you know you wouldn't ask Usain Bolt to drop one of his main events because they were close together I know it's different yeah um obviously running they're not going to be on the same day but yeah 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 you know, they're my events and, yeah. you know, I think it made me a tougher person and a tougher athlete to be able to do that backup. Mm. Um, so the 100 Butterfly final and the 100, uh, 200 IM final, there was one event between them. And I got out of the 100 Butterfly and I finished second to Dana Volmer. Mm. I did the PB, happy with the swim, so close. Uh, missed out on the gold by, I think it was point. Zero seven of a second, um, and then oh, I did a couple hundred meters swim down, which was all I could like all I could do in the time frame. And yeah. I remember my coach walking me to um, marshalling and sitting with me, and just you know, just saying to me, you know, just breathe, just relax. And I was hurting a lot. I was in a lot of pain um, uh, with the, the events being so close together, but. I still managed to get in and do my 200 IM. And, you know, and I remember diving in and hitting the water and for a fraction of a second thinking to myself, you know what, you're hurting, it's okay, don't worry. Mm. And then I thought, you know what, just push through it, just give it everything. So I did. Um, and I came second by point one of a second behind Yishuen. Yeah. So I collectively missed out on two gold medals in one night by point one. I think it was actually point one eight of a second. So it was point oh eight for the fly and point one zero for the IM. And you know the questions I got for the media was if you had dropped one of the events, you would have won gold, at least one gold. Mm. And I thought, and you know, I said to them like, to me, it's not about that. To me, it's about pushing myself and. St- you know, seeing what I can do as an athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't prepared to drop one of my main events. Um, you know, it's setting me up for the possibility of this happening at the Olympics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I want to give it everything I've got, I've got, you know, I've, I know in myself that I literally pushed myself to the absolute optimum that I could. Um, and, yeah, so... I think that's the one memory that sticks out with that event. 2012 is um, is a pretty big year for you in your swimming career. And let's go back to the trials, though, for London before you win the 100 fly beating Jess Shipper, Libby Trickett, to book your ticket to London. It's not a bad way to do it, to beat two legends in Jess and Libby. And I guess um, the competition in Australian swimming was, was so high that you're almost, you know, in an Olympic final at the trials yeah yeah definitely um it was definitely um a star-studded field Mm. after that 100 butterfly (laughs) you have been in many high pressure situations um with olympics and world champs um finals all this sort of stuff how do you cope with those situations i mean we hear so many people and these days you know, trying to get their arousal levels right. Some people need to be super psyched up and ready to go. Some people need to stay really chilled. Um, you know, how were you as an athlete getting ready for those sort of events? 
Um, I think at the actual event, um, so like at the Olympics and like all those big competitions, um, I did often start to let nerves get to me. And I think obviously a little bit of nerves is good, but if you have too much, it can definitely um, be detrimental to your race. Mm. Um, And I actually am grateful for my coach in that situation because I remember going up for my finals in London and before my 200 IM final, I was in tears. I was so nervous. Um, And my coach said to me, you know, he pulled me along, took me into the corridor and he pulled me aside and he said to me, you know, have you been nervous before? And I said, yes. And he said, and how did you go? I said, I went well. And he said, "Um, have you trained your butt off? Yes, I have. Are you in the shape of your life? Yes, I am. And he just kind of reiterated in, in my mind that I had done everything. I ticked all the boxes hmm. um, that I could to do the best performance that I could in the pool. So I think um, having him, you know, just just ask me those questions before I went up, if I was nervous, and he could tell that you know, when I was nervous because I would get really quiet and I yeah. wouldn't talk and he'd try to talk to me and I'd just kind of go inside my little shell and... So, um, yeah, I think, you know, having him there and, and having him, me, uh, him ask the, ugh, sorry, having him there and having him ask me those questions, it was, it was really helpful for me mentally. And I think the only thing that was ever holding me back in any way was my nerves. Yeah. You mentioned the London Olympics there, and it was a massive meet for you. You would go on to join Ian Thorpe Shane Gould and being one of the only swimmers to get a five-medal haul from one Olympics, which is, yeah. um, you know, puts you in pretty esteemed company. The meet itself, from an Australian team point of view, would go on to be, you know, not such a great one from a, a public point of view. How do you yeah. look back on that meet? Um, I actually... I feel, I feel really sad about it, um, just because, um, you know, I've always had people say, you know, you never, you never got the recognition that you deserved from London, yeah, because it was overshadowed by controversy with the still thing with the boys, and. Also, the fact that we only won one gold medal in the pool. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people expect more of that off the swim team. Um, And I think also people need to understand that being an elite swimmer, there are very few elite swimmers that actually make money from swimming. Um, (laughs) And... You know, like my whole swimming career, I worked my whole swimming career. Mm-hmm. I worked in a pub, uh, like a sports club. I worked at the RSPCA. Um, you know, I, I always worked, you know, like it. And I think it like it really upset me that, you know, I had these great successes and, you know, as you said, third person in the history of Australian swimming mm. to win three Olympic medals in one Olympic. It was a massive deal. 
and like nobody cared about it, mm. <laughs> um, which just made me feel a bit sad. Like you know, all my all my hard work and my achievements didn't matter. Mm. Yeah. Hey, do you feel? And I know looking back and doing my research, and I've always been uh, a big fan of your swimming career myself, do you feel um, slightly underrated, I guess, as an, as an athlete when you were swimming? Um, again, looking at your achievements, 28 medals altogether internationally, you get the, the five medals um, from one Olympics, which puts you up there with, I said, Ian Thorpe, Shane Gould. Um, yeah. Do you feel slightly possibly underrated as a as an athlete in your career? Like I said, I get told very often um, that I never got any of the recognition that I deserved as an athlete. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was, I guess, you know, I was always all about my performances doing the talking. Um, I think also, you know, some people are always putting themselves in the spotlight and that was never me. I, I've never been someone that um, flaunts my achievements or, um, you know, goes up to people and be like, oh, I won these many Olympic medals and I'm an Olympic swimmer and I won this. Like, uh, that's not me. I'm yeah. not that kind of person. Um, I worked at my job after having my son. Like, I'm, on, I'm on maternity leave at the moment, but... You know, like it was a year or so before a lot of people even knew that I was a swimmer and that's only because somebody told them, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I, I just, I don't talk about it. Yeah. If people know about it, yeah, fine, I'll talk to them about it, but I don't, I don't bring it up in conversation. I don't, that's just not the person that I am. I'm just, I don't know, I guess you could say I'm, I'm just a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it, mate. I, uh, I respect it a lot anyway. Um. I was doing my research on you, as I do for all uh, old podcasts. I like to be very well read on who I'm talking to. And it yeah. was fairly evident to me that from 2010, you were a pretty prominent figure in Australian relays. Now, I know yeah. individually you uh, accomplished so much and you achieved a lot, but how proud of you uh, of the teams that you were a part of and what you girls accomplished? I absolutely loved being part of the relay teams with those girls. Um, and I think, like, 2012 when we won that gold medal, um, I've, I've never been so proud. Um, and, you know, to do it alongside those three other girls was just – it was just the best feeling. And just to be able to share that ecstatic excitement with them uh, and, you know, stand up on their medal dais was just the best feeling. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can never explain just – how much pride you feel in yourself um, and, you know, to be a part of that relay team for, you know, such a long period of my career, um, it was just it was just really nice just working along, you know, working alongside those girls and um, n not it all being, not having it all just be about you as an individual athlete but being part of a team. And it was just fun, you know, it was fun to get in there and to race with them, you know, get behind the blocks and just have a bit of a giggle and have a laugh and um, it, it just made it, it took a lot of the mental pressure off yeah. um, because we made it fun. But, yeah, it was just, it was a really great 
thing to be a part of. Like I, I'm so grateful to have been part of the relay team because I know not a lot of athletes get to be in the relays. You know, it's only select few in, in mm. certain strokes. So um, a lot of athletes don't get to experience it at that top level. So I'm very grateful to have um, to been part of those relay teams. Mate, similar to before, and I threw a few meets out at you, I'm going to do it again. And I just want you to yeah. give me your best memory of that event. So we'll go with 2013 World Champs in Barcelona. Five silver medals. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about so, – oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, um, so 2011 and 2013 World Championships was the same program. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, had that dreaded backup with the 100 fly and 200 IM again. Yeah. 2014 Com Games in Glasgow. Uh, that was, to me, it was disappointing. Um, I had been sick in the lead up. Um, I'd oh, what did I have? I had um, Campylobacter. It's a parasitic um, infection in my bowel. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'd been sick in the lead up and, you know, I'd been training really well. So I was really disappointed with some, um, that was the first time that I'd gone to an international competition and not improved. Um, so it was the first time I'd ever felt disappointed in myself. About 2014 Pampax on the Gold Coast. I managed to flip it around. Mm. Um, so after 2014 Com Games, I was very down, um, as I said, you know, first time I'd gone to an international competition and not improved. Um, so I was, you know, feeling really disheartened and, you know, I was like, you know, should I keep swimming? Like maybe I'm just no good anymore. Um, so I remember going to Pampax and, you know, like it was a very different environment um, swimming outside on the Gold Coast. Uh, it was windy, it was cold, it was raining, like it was really crap. Mm. <laughs> um you know, no, not the times were not great, um, but I did manage to win the hundred butterfly, which I think gave me a little bit more of a spark in my step um, and made me sort of feel a bit better about my twenty fourteen year. Um, now, two thousand and sixteen Rio Olympics was to be your swan song. Yeah, uh, and we talked about it before. You did know that it might have been the end of the road leading into it. Yep. What led you to that? Um, I guess, realisation? So not long after I got back from Panpax in 2014, I was walking in my backyard carrying a pot plant that I'd got from the markets and my dogs were chasing each other. Mm-hmm. And I've got a Japanese Spitz and a Border Collie Cross Kelpie that looks like a Labrador. There's some sort of throwback down the line there. <laughs> So she's just a big bullhead. Yep. Anyway, so she was chasing my little spits and the spits ran past me and the other one ran into my leg, which at full speed and, you know, weighing 40 kilos or something, yep. um, she knocked me off my feet. So I then cartwheeled in the air, landing full um, body weight on my outstretched left arm. Mm-hmm. Um, which caused me to tear the labrum in my shoulder. Um, so that's why I didn't com- well, I didn't make the team in 2015 um, because of my shoulder injury. And when I got back 
um, I went to trials off very limited work and I came third in the Hunter Butterfly. I didn't compete in the 200 IM because I couldn't do IM because I was in so much pain. Yeah. Um, so I had about four weeks to try f- to make the team. And, you know, I came sixth in the Hunter Freestyle, but they decided not to take me. So 2015, I was very much like, well, maybe I should just quit, you know. Um, so then I made the decision that I didn't want that to be the end of my swimming career and I wanted to finish my career on my own terms. So I started training knowing that Rio was going to be my last Olympics and my last team if I'm, if I qualified. Um, so, and my coach knew that, um, that was always going to be the plan. And I, he worked out that I swam 2 million strokes in continuous pain in my preparation for Rio. Mm. Um, I was selected in the 200 IM, missed the team in the 100 butterfly, came third. Uh, so sort of bookended it really, you know, making my first team in 2008 for the 200 IM only and finishing my career in 2016 in the 200 IM also. Um, And it was important. It was just important to me to know that I finished my career on my own terms Mm -hmm. um, and that I knew that I had given it everything. Um, So yeah, I managed to finish fifth in the final of the 200 IM. Uh, so book ended at fifth, at fifth in um, Beijing, fifth yeah. in Rio. Um, and I felt good about that. I felt good about the fact knowing that um, I didn't just give up, that I pushed to the end. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Hey, looking back, I, as you just said there, and a decade-long international swimming career as I spoke about, and you were really yeah. consistent throughout, you know, your swimming career at the highest level. So you must have been pretty proud of the legacy that you left there on on the sport of swimming. Yeah, I've had uh, people ask me to come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who knows, 2021, I might be there. Jokes, 20. jokes, jokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> does someone want to look after my children for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm really happy um, with what I achieved and, um, yeah, I feel really proud of of um, my results and I think also the discipline that I learnt as an athlete um, really set me up uh, for, you know, for what I do now and, um, and for life mm. because... Um, you know, I'm, I'm a determined person and I'm persistent and I give everything 100%. So, I, you know, I'm really grateful for what swimming has given me as a person as well. Hey, talk to me about what you're up to these days. I know you've got two gorgeous kids with Noah and Leo. Must keep you on your yeah. toes. Yes. Uh, so Noah will be three in May. So he's going through that turdler slash three-nager age. <laughs> Um, and some days I'm like, I just want to go back to work (laughs) because he is hard work. Um, I'm very grateful that we have a decent sized backyard that I can let him run around and burn some energy off. (laughs) Um, Leo is easy, you know, he's six months old, so 
he's kind of just like a potato and he just lays there a bit. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's very, he's very chill. He's very relaxed. He's not a clinger. Um, yeah, he's happy as long as he's fed and changed and you look at him and pull faces and make him laugh. And, um, yeah, so he's easy. Uh, how do they yeah. go in the pool? Have they, have they been in for a swim? How do they go? Uh, Noah goes swimming lessons on a Saturday and he's a terrible listener. <laughs> um, so he must get that from his father because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fantastic listener in the pool. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think um, hopefully he will, you know, pick it up and, you know, the biggest, the most important thing to me is that he can save himself in the water. Yeah. You know, I'm... I'm I don't feel like he needs to be an Olympic swimmer or, you know, I don't have any high expectations on him to, to follow in my footsteps or anything. Um, if he wants to, that's fine. He can do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he loves the water and he loves playing in it. Obviously, he's not quite old enough to, you know, be at stroke stage. But, um, yeah, as long as he can save himself, if he gets into trouble, then that's the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, how is Alicia Coots, the mum, different from Alicia Coots, the athlete? Uh, Alicia Coots, the mum. Mm, let me think. <laughs> well, I've been trying to get fit again yeah. and work out and lose weight. And I think since this whole, you know, apocalypse has happened, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alicia Coots, the mum, has got into the child's Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. I think I'm still pretty laid back. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm like want my husband to take the children so I can have five minutes of mental health time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think um, you're alone there, though. I, th- <laughs> I think we're all in that boat as well. You just need a little bit of time to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I do miss just being able to go to the pool and just have a swim and, you know, be in my own mind mm. and not just be surrounded by children 24-7. Um, I guess I don't get a lot of me time anymore. Um, my husband tries to give me, you know, he's like, I'll take the boys out on the weekend and you just have a sleep in or whatever. But I'm more like, I want to come with you. <laughs> I want to do the fun stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> take me with you. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I, I'd love to be able to get back in and have some time to myself mm. in, that, in the pool, but we'll see. <laughs> Mate, I follow you on Instagram, and, and my wife loves a lot of the promotional stuff you post for your various companies that you, you do stuff for there. That must keep you pretty busy. How did you get involved with that, with all that sort of stuff and promoting that stuff on Instagram? Um, so I've developed, um, I guess, since having the boys, you know, good relationships with a lot of, you know, children's companies and baby companies and things like that. And, um, you know, every so often someone will send me a message and say, you know, can we send you some of our products to try? And then, you know, can you sort of, if you like them, would you like to you know, tell your followers about them and things yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, sometimes I get things to to sort of promote. Um, obviously, I only promote things that I, you know, 
actually believe in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take on something that I didn't didn't sit well with me or mm. whatever. Um, but yeah, we're um, brand ambassadors for a couple of companies. So uh, we've got the beautiful natural baby skincare range, uh, Lovekins, yeah. which is um, uh, owned by. A beautiful lady called Amanda S3, and she's in Sydney, and all her products um, are made with beautiful um, Australian ingredients. So we've got kakadu plum and and um, you know beautiful native um, ingredients like that. So that's what I use on my boys, and um, you know we've been associated with Amanda since um, Noel was born, and you know I've always used her products on him and and Leo. So. You know, we feel very grateful to be um, a part of um, such a beautiful company and it's, you know, just a small company but um, expanding. Um, and then we're also brand ambassadors for um, a little company called Mio Play. Um, so they do baby play gyms and teething toys and um, they actually um, give all their profits um, to uh, medical research. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that was, you know, great for me to be involved with a company like that. Um, that's about, you know, giving back to the community and, um, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful products and, um, you know, just beautiful people. And then, uh, we're also brand ambassadors for Chico Australia, um, with their baby products as well. So, um, you know, they do a range of you know, bassinets and children's toys and, you know, they've got pretty much everything that you could uh, need for a baby. So, um, yeah. Do you still keep up to date with the current athletes in the pool? And if yes, who are the, some of your favourites to watch race? I love watching Ariane Titmus. She's... Um, She's fantastic. I think um, she is. She's down. She just you know down to earth. Um, just a real hard worker. Mm. Um, you know she's she's about like like I feel a little bit like she's very much like me as an athlete. Very much lets her um, her swimming talk for itself. Um, yeah. She's not about being in the limelight or the spotlight. Um, she just yeah just a a real pleasure to watch. Um, and then I've still got, you know, um, some friends that are still swimming, like Ellie Cole, make sure to keep looking at what she's up to. Kate and Bronte Campbell, you know, still got, you know, watching them and what they're up to. And, you know, I've still got quite a few um, of the girls that I was on the team with that I like to watch race, um, James Roberts and, uh, yeah, a lot of those guys. So, I mean, I always enjoy watching the swimming and, yeah. you know, it's always different now these days watching a lot of the younger kids that I guess I never got the experience to hang around with or um, – but, yeah, I always, it's always enjoyable so um, watching. You, is there anyone you look at now and think, I'd love to race them and you never got the opportunity to? Um. I don't know so much in the events that I was in. Um, if I was, 
a freestyler. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool to race Ariane, but yeah, she'd smash yeah. the crap out of me. Mate, <laughs> 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 um, I like to finish our chats with some less serious questions. So, so here we go. Favorite music or artist? Um, whew, favorite music or artist? Um, I don't know. I'm very much like a sort of top forty person, um, but I do love. Um, I love Sia. I like um, what's that Dance Monkey song? <laughs> I'm, I seriously don't get to listen to much music these days. So when I do hear a song, I'm like, I don't even know who it's by, but I like that song. <laughs> Was Dance Monkey a hit with the boys? I know Charlie. Anytime that song comes on, she just starts <laughs> dancing around. Yeah, yeah. Noah loves, but he also loves the wiggle. So, <laughs> uh, mate, books or movies? Movies. What's your favourite movie? The Notebook. Oh, wow, very <laughs> nice. That was on um, Valentine's Day. I made sure we were out so we, we couldn't stay home. <laughs> so you didn't have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? Um, I Heights, I think. Um, like, I'm happy to go on a roller coaster and stuff like at a theme park, but... There's no way in hell you'd get me jumping out of an airplane, skydiving, jump, bungee jumping, any of that. No way in hell. No way. (laughs) Mate, what's your favourite meal? Mm. I love a good pork belly Mm. or some scallops, you know, like, mm, yum. Just sit at the (laughs) beach, chips and scallops. Yeah. Not so much the chips, but Not the, the scallops. <laughs> I'll add the chips for myself. I'll have a couple of chips, but I won't <laughs> eat too many. Mate, we'll go more swimming related now. When you were racing, your biggest rival? Oh, I guess I had a few different rivals. Oh, well, I mean, I have to say Stephanie Rice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Steph Rice. Um Dana Volmer, yep. the I am. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, in the fly. Um, you, she went. Okay, what about teammate that was the biggest pest? <laughs> oh, um, mm, we all know that every, every squad has a few pests around the group and, and you need them. Oh. I don't know. There was a few that, you know, you just, yeah, had some, had some moments with James Magnuson. (laughs) (laughs) What about funniest teammate then? Oh, funniest teammate. Oh, I don't know. There was a few funny ones. Um, Mel Schlanger, always a laugh. Yeah. Uh, Libby. Christian Springer and I think you know the three of them trained together so they were just like pretty hilarious as a, as a group so um yeah they were always a bit of fun always a good laugh <laughs> what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given um as a swimmer well it could be in life um just be you just do do what you do, I guess. 
What do you think about when you're alone in the car? So I, I don't know if that happens very often these days <laughs> with, with the kids, but if you have a chance and you're driving in the car and you're on your own, do you think, do you sing? What, what do you do when you're just sitting there in the car? Um, like to sing or I just like to sit in peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, mate, if you were stuck in an elevator, a large elevator, and you had three yeah. people, you could pick three people to be in there with you. Uh, who would they be? Three, like, people that I know or no, We any- could say anyone. We'll take <laughs> – I, I know I did this with Gian and she said she had to take a family out of it, otherwise she'd be in trouble for not um, <laughs> having a husband and people in with her. So if you – yeah, we'll take family out of it. Just three, you know, celebrities or people that you respect or three people. Ellie Cole because she's hilarious and she's one of my besties. Um – Oh, who else? Uh, well, I guess it would be pretty boring. So, I don't know, somebody that can sing to me, yeah. maybe. You could have Sia in there. You said you like yeah. Sia. Yeah, yeah, we'll have, yeah, Sia. She's Aussie too, so. Probably Rebel Wilson because she's funny too. Yeah, I like her. Be, she would be funny. <laughs> at least they'd keep me entertained you wouldn't want to sit in there with someone that's not going to talk to you <laughs> be boring exactly uh, mate I think we'll wrap it up there and thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today and have a chat I know you've got a lot going on at home with, with the boys and um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview and I hope you enjoyed the chat as well uh, look forward Thanks. to catching up once again sometime in the future and I hope you and your family stay safe down there with everything going on at the moment and try not to let the boys drive you too crazy but uh, <laughs> until then mate thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swimming Podcast Thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed the chat Not a trouble at all mate thank you very much Thank you Today's episode is proudly powered by Pro Swim Workouts For a 40% discount off their premium membership, make sure you visit the website at proswimworkouts.com. Use that promotional code OTBSP, OTBSP, and yes, that does stand for Off The Block Swimming Podcast for those of you playing along at home. Go check out the website today at proswimworkouts.com and again, use that code OTBSP to receive a 40% discount off memberships. Now, episode number 12 also comes out today and features an Australian swimming legend and one of the fastest men to ever dive into the pool. Of course, I'm talking about former world record holder himself, Mr. Michael Klim. Spoke to Michael last Friday from Bali and had an awesome chat about his swimming career, his skincare business, Bali life, and a whole lot more. So it's definitely a must-listen-to episode, so make sure you don't miss it. Until then, though, please make sure you're up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to pay your respects to the Anzacs. Also, make sure you're playing two up at home since we can't get out to the RSL clubs. And don't forget, please don't have too many Anzac biscuits. And it's bye for now.